0: We as husbands and fathers are to be priests, protectors, and providers. Amen? Priests, protectors, and providers. This morning we're going to concentrate on the moral obligation for men to be the providers of their own families. Reading first of all in Second Thessalonians chapter 3. Starting in verse 6. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us, for we behave not ourselves disorderly among you, Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught, but wrought with labor and travail night and day, that we might not be chargeable to any of you. Not because we have not power or privilege, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. Now them that are such we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work and eat their own bread. But we, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. And if any man obey not our word by this epistle, note that man and have no company with him that he may be ashamed. Yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Somebody say amen. amen. That's the word of God. Now turn to the very next epistle, First Timothy. And this is where we're going to take our thought. First Timothy chapter 5, verses 7 and 8. And these things give in charge that they may be blameless. You know, that's what I'm doing here this morning. I am charging you that you might be blameless. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. May the Holy Ghost have his way here. This morning. And may He give us, as born again men, ears to hear and a heart to humbly receive. The thought that I urge, amen, by the Holy Ghost, you and I, as men, to consider this morning worse than an infidel. Worse than an infidel. Father, I love you. And Lord, I do need you here today. I ask you, Lord, that I would speak as your oracles. And I would only speak what you would have me to speak. I pray for your hand to be heavy upon me, Lord God. And for your spirit, the anointing of the Holy Ghost to make teaching and preaching effectual. Give us ears to hear as men. I pray, Lord, that our mind would be renewed. Lord, that we would be conformed to Christ, who is the Word of God. That we would hear what the Spirit is saying to us here this morning. Give us grace to do as you have commanded us to do, Father. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Worse than an infidel. That's a sobering thought right there. I said that's a sobering thought worse than an infidel. First, let me say this in the beginning. I have never been associated with a ministry that has preached or taught the Christian work ethic more diligently than this ministry. Never since I've been a Christian have I been around a church or a ministry that has communicated the Christian work ethic as diligently, amen, as it has been communicated here. Not just by me, amen, but it has been communicated. It's something that uh, God has sought to establish here in this local church. Work ethic and the need to be spiritual in our approach to our work has been a mainstay topic from this pulpit. Moreover, over the years, work ethic has often been central to opportunities and practical, hands-on discipleship. Amen. You've heard me say it, and you've heard others say it before. You can learn a lot more about a man's spirituality by observing how he works than what he does, amen, in the house of God, in the assembly, or what he does on the street preaching the gospel. You can learn a lot more about his spirituality by watching his work ethic. Day by day, moment by moment. Amen. The test of the mundane. You know, the command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, the command to assemble as believers, not forsaking the assembly, those indeed are commands. But so is this a command to work, to provide. It is spiritual. But why the emphasis on this topic? Why is it addressed so often? Simply because it's needful. That's why. When we go to the illusions club, amen, we're not preaching on tithing. Because it's not needful there. Although they probably need to tithe, amen. They need to get saved first, hallelujah. But we deal with adultery because that's what's needed. And I can tell you in this generation, in this culture, that's churning out... Amen. A a, a group of individuals that know very little about the Puritan work ethic or the biblical work ethic. As the spirit of Jezebel. Is almost universally sown in unsaved women today. Unfortunately, laziness, passivity, and irresponsibility are so very common in men bred in today's dodgy and self centered culture. Everybody wants to be a preacher. Amen. Everybody wants to be a teacher. Amen. But but they can't even keep a job. Everybody wants to be spiritual but just the mundane, fundamental, foundational, basic obligation to work and provide for the family is a challenge for many that are getting saved in this hour. I remember hearing a missionary years ago, and he was uh, somewhere, maybe in the Amazon, maybe in Africa, among native people or what have you, and he was just communicating how when they got people born again out of this pagan culture, amen. been bones in their nose, you know, loincloth. They had to teach them how to eat with a fork, how to dress. I mean, teach them how to do everything because they were such in a hole. Sin had brought them in such a hole, amen. And so it is in this pagan culture of America where 75, 100 years ago, there was a lot of Christian influence in our culture. And even though people... People weren't born again. They were influenced by the principles taught in the Word of God. But now, amen, they've got uh, not perhaps not bones in their nose, but they've got spikes in their tongue, tattooed from foot head to foot. And I know some of you are tattooed. Ain't nothing you can do about that now. But you know good and well that wasn't God. Hallelujah. And just this pagan culture given over to sin and irresponsibility and slothfulness. You almost have to teach people how to get out of the bed in the morning when they come to Jesus. You see, brethren, what we need to understand is that our work ethic or our embracing of our obligation to provide and our ultimate motivation behind these spiritual endeavors are very important. They are extremely... Don't don't be naive. Amen. God anointed me and gave me this message to remind you. This is extremely important to God. If we're going to do anything substantial for him, we cannot avoid this important moral duty. True Christianity, genuine spirituality demands we submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ in these all-important areas. If we fail here and refuse to acknowledge or to act on what saith the Scriptures, then we are far from spiritual and anything but holy. And I imagine there is some here this morning wondering inwardly or thinking to themselves, I sense the sword is going to be plunged in deep. Somebody say amen. Well, I just want you to know, it's not me, but it's him. I said, it's not me. I'm just a messenger boy. I'm just a pastor of this church who tunes his ear to the heart and mind of God.
1: He sent me to tell you.
0: And I come in the authority of the name of Jesus Christ. But may I encourage you. Hallelujah. You know you're in the right place when you're practically challenged in areas of need. This is pastoral preaching right here. You can go to a lot of places. They're not going to touch things like this. But it's in the Bible. And if I leave things like this unchallenged, then I would not be your friend, much less your pastor or your brother in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, there's little doubt in the professing church the need for confrontational teaching on this topic is great. And I've been around. I've gone to a lot of places. And there is an epidemic of less than diligent workers in the church. It's, it's really... It's shameful. It's almost as if when you mingle with people, there's such a lack of understanding. There's such a worldliness, such a view, amen, that is so untouched by the Bible that it's shameful, embarrassing. Amen. People on welfare, amen, people in labor. God hates labor unions! total rebellion people whose speech and behavior reveal a less than scriptural view on this subject hey brother y'all going out uh, don't work too hard uh, really lazy slothful And proud of it. And too blind and too scripturally illiterate even to recognize it. Totally untouched by the modern pulpit. This is not good, brethren. So in this message, we're going to examine some of the root causes and spiritual blind spots that contribute to this awful condition. I see four areas of concern in regards to men failing to establish a sound work ethic and providing for their own. First of all, just a simple failure to embrace God's doctrine of work. We read in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Now we command you, brethren... It's a command. It's not an option. Oh, I don't think God wants me to work. That's the devil. It's a command. And it's a command given to men. Now, there's no place for lazy women. You have your work cut out for you, but you have a different sphere. Praise God. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ that ye withdraw yourselves from every, every brother, men, that walk disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. You've got to hold that Bible up. That's the book, amen. There, here's the book you need to read. And in that book, amen, it tells you exactly the apostolic tradition. Contrary to the modern church, amen, that believes it work
1: something secular even the apostolic doctrine the tradition of the apostles
0: disorderly work disorderly not to work disorderly out of order so severe that if someone obstinately continued in this you're supposed to separate from them you don't, you don't think this is a serious matter It's a serious... You see, we need to go to the book. Has a lot to say about work. Hallelujah. For yourselves know how ye ought to follow us. For we... We This is the preachers. These are the apostles. We behave not ourselves disorderly among you. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. But wrought with labor and travail. I don't know if I'm going to work a night job. Well, you need to find the will of God in your work. But I can tell you it'd be better to do a lot of things, amen, than be chargeable. Amen, to be chargeable to the body of Christ without cause. See, that was their spirit. They knew they were going to have to preach to these people. And I can tell you something, preacher. I can tell you something, Christian. You've got no more leverage from
1: people you beg and borrow from. Exactly right. Zero.
0: They knew that. We're not going to be charged, but I've got to have some more leverage. They, they weren't stupid. Yes, sir. You see, this is what you got in this area. You got people that are b- blind. They think they're going to borrow and beg and then preach to people yes, to avoid, you're going to hell. Exactly right. yes, sir. Then you've got about that much understanding of spiritual warfare. That devil's going to say, Phew. the same thing he'd tell you if the shoe was on the Because we don't have power or privilege. They were preachers. Amen. And they, they labored in the gospel. They could live of the gospel. But they knew it was more important to set an example because the culture, at least at that time, called for it. Much like the culture of today calls for it. To make ourselves an example unto you to follow us. For even when we were with you, this we commanded. Not an option, not a multiple choice, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. So you meet somebody out there begging for food, and he's starving to death, and he, if he won't work, God wants him to starve to death. Let me rephrase that. He wants him to repent and work. But if he won't work, if that's the reason, and they got lots of people in America like that, You want to drive the mercy of God in the material realm in your life? Just stop working. God's not going to bless it. No. I've seen it over and over again. Amen. Just try it. You'll find out. You see, this instruction is simple, straightforward, without complexity, and by all standards, easy to be understood. But like most Bible doctrines, the problem is not that men don't understand, it's that they do understand. They just don't like it. You see, the flesh, above all else, loves ease, comfort, and pleasure. If I can get something by somebody else doing it rather than me, amen, that's the way the flesh thinks, even unconsciously. The flesh hates to be denied. It abhors the demands of spirituality. It doesn't want to walk by faith. And it resists and recalls from the necessities of discipline and diligence. How am I walking by faith in regards to providing needs by obeying the Bible? So when the Bible commands you to work, Amen. That's by faith because that's what God said. In other words, carnality is often idle and lazy. Now the most basic definition of doctrine is simply teaching. So the biblical doctrine of work is nothing more, nothing less than what the scriptures teaches regarding our employment. You may be surprised. I don't know. Amen. But the New Testament abounds with instruction on this topic. And when you gather it all together, we're going to read a good bit. That's why I said we have a lot of ground to cover. Because there's a lot of scripture on this. There's a lot of scripture on this. Just off the top of my head, I'd say there's more practical teaching on this in the New Testament epistles than there is on evangelism. Just off the top of my head. But you gather it all together. Everything that the Bible or the New Testament says about work. And it paints a picture that's in stark contrast to the practices and the mentality of the modern church. See, we need to embrace what the Bible says about, what the Bible teaches about work. If we don't embrace what the Bible says, and there are lots of people that do not embrace, they they entertain thoughts that are totally contrary to what the Bible says about work. And so they're deceived from the get-go. You see, work is God's will, under God's direction, executed to him for his glory to, among other things, meet our temporal needs. So the general will of God then is that as a man, I must work to meet the needs of my family. Now, I got saved in 1987. 1987. And it wasn't long. Now, I I had a fairly uh, good work ethic for, for a sinner. But there was lots for me to learn, amen? But it wasn't long after I came to Jesus that I came to understand. You see, he was and is my Lord. And I came to realize that I wasn't going to evade his dealing Amen, in this area. And I was going to have to submit to him. So, the thought of not having a job in my mind was established. At least, you know, I realize a week, two, three, I mean, looking for, I understand that. But the thought of just being idle was established in my heart as disobedience to Jesus. And that better be established in your heart, mister. Amen. I have always had a job since I've been born again. Except for a brief period, amen, when I thought God was saying, amen, to just give full attention to the pastorate. I misinterpreted that for a season. It was God for me to quit my job at the time amen and I had a uh, uh, I was vested at the com- company that I was in so I got a chunk of retirement money and I, the the church could not uh, uh, pay uh, me enough to sustain my family in other words I could not provide for my family by the money amen that was given to me through the church amen and so I lived off of that retirement for a year or two I can't remember how long it was but as soon as I could not provide as soon as I could could not provide. Amen. I didn't understand everything, but I knew one thing: I've got to get a job. Yes, you it. Wasn't praying for you. touch somebody, God to give me a thousand dollars. You lazy covetous! Yes, sir. Yeah. I don't know what's going on here. I got to get me a job, and God provided me a job. Because I wanted one. I don't have to have God speak to me out of a tree. The general will of God. I got to get a job. Now I'm going to use the Bible. I know I can't be a bartender. I can't be a stripper. You know I can't be a rapper. So those options are out. Amen i like, wait, God, I got to get a job. I got to get a job. I didn't need a lightning bolt, amen, to hit the company that God wanted me to work for. I just applied the Bible, I prayed, and I allowed the peace of God. You know, the Bible told me to work, so then. I'm not sure if I should work at place A, place B, or place C. Amen. How long i am going to be hard between those three? If A, B, and C, I go to a church. God put me in this church. God wants me to preach on the street. None of these three jobs are going to violate, amen, that. And I got these say Which one? I'm not waiting for God to send an angel to fly over. Amen. I've got to provide for my family. I'm going to step in this direction. Hey, Ben. And if if for some reason I miss it, then I'm gonna uh, go to the next job. But I'm gonna have a job. wasn't hard to figure out. Moreover, every job that I've ever had had challenges, and I had to learn to overcome. Working for the wicked, with the wicked. Difficult bosses. You ain't going to find no perfect job where everything just goes your way. Where every do- just every door flings. O- where nobody's going to cross you. Where there's not going to be a test. You got a devil out there. And he lives in those people. He's going to do what he can to disrupt you and ruin your testimony. That's another p- thing that God uses jobs for. Sanctification. For you to learn. To bear up under. Since I've been born again. Just like you know. Church, see in my mind. You know I ever I haven't been born again that long. You know just almost 30 years. Whatever it is. 27, 28, whatever. Years. It was apostate when I got born again too. It was grossly apostate. I never, not for one minute, wasn't in a church. Not for one minute. Except for when I first got born again and God put me in one. Just for however long that took, about a week. Never. Well, how did you find? I didn't find anything. I followed Jesus. And I was willing to go wherever I had to go and do whatever I had to do. Now, I know it's hard to find a church, and I know there's places where it have to go hundreds of miles, and I realize that. But I do believe that any real believer that truly wants God, and listen to me, everyone needs discipleship. If they'll hear the voice of God, God will lead them somewhere. So see, this just people, just independent, living, no accountability. I have a hard time understanding that. Like I've had a job ever since I've been born again. I've worked 40 hours almost every week that I've been born again. It hadn't hurt me none. Amen? I've never been fired as a Christian. Amen? Never. And while working for now, I've been dismissed as a, a business owner, had clients who wanted to go a different direction. And as my mind, there may have been somebody that would have just outright fired me, but I don't recall that as a business owner. But when I worked for other people, I never was fired. Always worked. Always knew it was my obligation. But secondly, notice, we're given the apostolic example of the demeanor, the attitude, and the spirit of those truly following New Testament doctrine. Neither did we eat any man's bread for naught. They had a keen sense of personal responsibility. But wrought with labor and travail night and day that we might not be chargeable to any of you, that we wouldn't cause you expense. And notice they were willing to labor night and day so they would not be a burden to anyone. And this is the proper heart. Not to be an unnecessary burden upon fellow believers. Now, let me qualify before we go any further here so that you will understand the heart of God. I know that there are many here under the sound of my voice who are in a position of need. Somebody say amen. And at this moment, then you're dependent materially upon others. I am not, or the Holy Ghost is not, preaching this message so much to scold. Amen. The Holy Ghost is seeking to teach you. Don't be offended. Amen. You see, it's more blessed to what? Than to receive. So if I have the opportunity to give somebody, I'm I'm blessed. I'm not complaining about giving. But see, as a pastor, I've got to be concerned with everyone's spirit. Amen? Amen? And everyone needs to be. This is how you need to hear. When people read the Bible and they say, somebody ought to be given to me. You got the, the heart of a devil. How come they're not given to me? No, no, no. Your heart needs to be. How come I'm not given to others? How come, I, need, I need something to give to others. I want something to give. I want to be a giver. That's what amen the Holy Ghost wants to produce in every heart here. But you don't work, you're going to have nothing to give materially. So on one hand, when someone is in legitimate need, the church should be there to provide. So the church, and this is exactly what the Holy Ghost is doing here this morning. He is setting the tone where believers have a mindset to give and not withhold. You need to be a giver. You need to have that heart to give. But on the other hand, no sincere Christian wants to be chargeable to others unnecessarily. Now, we, every one of us in here, I've been given to, thank Thank God. I've been given to many times. By, but I've been in need many times in my Christian walk where other believers, God moved upon other believers to give to me. But that wasn't because I was expecting that so much or that I was looking to that. I was looking to God and willing to work and labor. But thank God, we've all been given to by others, and I am not attacking that. Don't misunderstand what's being said here this morning. But listen to me: if everybody has a giving mentality, you know, if if, I know a church where the men don't work hardly, there's only one or two people in the whole church where people where the men work. They're broke; they can't do nothing. Just, just they they got no money. Listen to me, some of you right now that are dependent upon others, guess what? If those brethren, amen, are not diligent in their labor, they got nothing to give you. So if we all just just sat around and did nothing, we will have nothing to give. So you've got to lose that mentality because it's not Jesus. We have to have a giving mentality. Rather than a taking mentality, and that requires a diligence about work. Simply stated, Christians, true Christians would never exploit or take advantage of this vital ministry of the church. You see, we can't take people in. We can't meet temporal needs if we don't have anything to give to other people. Amen? Well, the only way listen, there's there's an economy. Amen. And there's two principles in God's economy, and that is giving and working. You want to find broke, destitute people in the church and watch that pattern just? It's true. It's so true. If I could. If I could show you my life experience as a Christian and just say, Stingy, lazy people always are broke. Yeah. Yes, always. Yes, you just don't pay your tithe. Steal from God and see what happens. You got that super spiritual, I ah, tithe and it's not. Just try that out then. Just steal from God and see how it works. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Every person I've ever met that didn't tithe was, covetous covetous and broke and then people that don't work they don't have anything they're looking for somebody so looking for somebody to give let him that stole steal no more but rather let him labor see this is God's mind this is what God says Working with his hands is a thing which is good. Why? That he may have to give to him that needed. When someone gave to me, they had labored. So they had something to give to me. You ever met those spiritual folks? So spiritual, they suppose God violates his own word and commands them not to work. You ever heard that? God told me not to work. Really? Hmm. Can you give me chapter and verse for that? I'm saying people, they want to borrow everything you own. Amen? If they ain't got nothing. So they want to borrow what you got. Now, again, I realize there's people with legitimate needs, and I'm not attacking that. Do you understand me? But when you come to Jesus, these are things you got to learn. Amen? Things you have to swallow. I can preach on rapping, amen? We can all laugh. Amen? You don't want me to do that, huh? Well, we will preach what God said. Amen. We'll stay with it. You see, God's plan is that we be lenders, not bars. Deuteronomy 28. Amen? The blessings and the cursing. Amen? If you obey, you're going to be blessed. I'm not talking about you going to drive a Mercedes or a Jaguar, fly your own Learjet. Amen. That's that's a lie from the pit of hell. But your needs being met with an abundance to give. Amen. Those that God providentially places in your path to minister Christ to. The Lord shall open unto thee his good treasure, the heaven to give the rain to thy land in his season and to bless all the work of thine hand. And thou shalt lend unto many nations and thou shalt not borrow. And the Lord shall make thee the head and not the tail. Amen. Let me let you in on an apparent secret. Working is vital in God's real plan for prosperity. Prosperity, biblical prosperity, is you have everything you have need of to do the will of God. That's biblical prosperity. First Thessalonians 4 11 through 12. This is what the apostles said should be commanded to the churches. And that they study to be quiet, and to do their own business, and to work with their own hands, as we commanded you, that ye may walk honestly toward them that are without, and that ye may have lack of nothing. You see, first of all, working is for the purpose of abundance to enable us to give, and secondly, that we would not have a lack for anything within the will of God. Moreover, the apostles' teaching here strikes at the modern romanticized view of ministry. You find this all the time. I'm called to preach, so I'm just waiting for God to send me an army of monthly supporters so I don't have to work and I can preach. Now, listen. Can God do that? He could do it. But most lazy people that think that way, they wouldn't read their Bible all day anyway. Amen. They just want someone to give to them because they don't want to work. And listen to me if you don't prove first in the natural that you're diligent, amen, and putting your hand to the natural task, God is not going to entrust to you, amen, the heavenly riches of ministry. Not to mention the fact, if you preach the truth, In this apostate hour, you're not going to be rewarded with money usually. (laughs) Now, I know some folks, you you say, well, Mark Harris is getting ready to go out. He's going to preach revivals. He owns a business that's well-established that brings thousands of dollars in every month and has worked for years, decades, establishing that. And he's going to still get money from that. Amen. Well, what about Mabrigaud and Crystal Pay? and We support. And listen to me. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm just saying, as a young believer, I realize the message that God is giving me to preach. I'm not going to walk through every door because not every door is going to open. Friend, listen to me. I'm going to preach the truth. I'm not after money. Plus, exactly right. I didn't know I was going to have nine children. I didn't have 200 churches giving $5 a month. This is your pledge for the month. Could God do that? I'm not saying He could. But in all likelihood, get ready to labor, especially in this hour when the, the world has basically been given a stumbling block by these charlatans that have done nothing but exploit for money and for gain. Amen. And so it only makes sense, amen, that in this hour the Holy Ghost would more than likely lead us to work. Notice what the Bible says to the Apostle Paul. Acts 18 and 3. And because he was of the same craft. Craft. The apostle Paul had a, great, had a day job, so to speak. He abode with them and wrought, for by their occupation they were tent makers. Acts 20 and 34. Yea, yourselves know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities. And to them they were with me. 1 Corinthians 4 and said, "In labor working with our own hands. 1 Corinthians 9 and 6 and then verse 12. Or I only and Barnabas have we not power or privilege to forbear working. They do. And the, and the ministry, there is that privilege. But that doesn't mean that's the way it's always going to unfold. If others be partakers of this power over you are not we rather. Nevertheless, we have not used this power. But suffer all things, lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. I told you the day we watched this video of the subway preacher guy in New York City preaching, preaching on the, in the subway, preaching fairly good, handing out tracks. A little bit, you know, later in the video, he did us some spiritual, you know, wife swapping, pretty bad. But all I had to do was watch five minutes of that sleazy video to know that I was dealing with a spiritual cockroach. Because one of the opening scenes, he's talking to his landlord who's saying, where's the rent? And the guy's saying, I'm doing the work of the Lord. Not even ashamed. Could turn the video off. The man is a God-hater. Not even ashamed. Almost boldly mocking. Where are you at? Where's the rent? I'm doing the work of the Lord. No, you're not. You're a devil. What a bad, what a shifty, sleazy, arrogant, unreliable, untrustworthy. Well, Well, listen to me. Such a spirit should never be named in the church. Secondly, a refusal to repent for poor work ethic or laziness. Yeah, you know, I haven't dealt with a lot of men that, uh, when you really you confront them and they say, you know, I think I'm, I'm, you're right, I'm lazy. Nobody thinks they're lazy, but they got the wrong standard. You see, you compare yourself, amen, out there. Where everybody thinks that if they don't get a break for fifteen minutes every hour, Amen that a good job means I can find somewhere to sneak away and take a nap, Amen in these type of satanic mentalities within you might look pretty good. Maybe good for you to just take your Bible out and look at every New Testament verse on working. And let, amen, your basket down in that water and pull it up a a few times and be renewed in your mind. Amen. Here's another verse, passage. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. Not with eye service as men pleasers. Here's the boss. Here's the boss. Get up. Hey, digging a hole. That's sin. Hmm. But in singleness of heart, fearing it. You do that, you don't fear God. You're blind! You don't even recognize. You don't even see the principle. Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. Knowing that the Lord of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. You see, your work is a sacrifice unto Christ. It's spiritual. You see, God expects Christian men to work harder and to robustly embrace their work unto Jesus with a good spirit. The Bible teaches us not to be slothful in business. That's what it means. It's so common today to have the worldly rebellious union worker, my boss owes me a living. You can't expect me to do that mentality. That's what it is, just in a nutshell. Even in the church, so many people's minds need to be renewed For the sake of instruction, let's use a word association exercise, okay? You tell me which word doesn't fit in the following sequence. Lazy, slow, undisciplined, difficult, touchy, holy. Is that hard? Let's try this again. Lazy, slow, undisciplined, difficult, touchy, Jesus. Lazy, slow, undisciplined, difficult, touchy, spiritual. See, we really know. We we really know. You see, we, we intrinsically know that's not God. Hence, let us forever acknowledge that a poor work ethic does not comport with the name of Christ or the title of Christian. So, uh, preacher, could you give me, you know, the most basic definition then of laziness? And this is is something, listen. I know everyone is not the same. I'm I'm not stupid. I've seen stupidity when it comes to this. everybody's not the same. Everybody's not as physically capable. Everybody is not as mentally capable. So just you know measuring uh, you know John according to Sam and Sam according to john that that's really a faulty way to understand laziness. And really, a Christian boss, if you want to teach somebody to be a good worker, teach by example. That's the best way. But you know, everyone can give a full effort. You see, that's... Everyone can give a full effort. Some people are going to be able to pick up things quicker than others in different areas. I'm sure if most of you, Amen, had to figure out the chords and the melody to a song, and I put Micah next to you and said he he could figure it out, you know, faster than most of us because his ear, he's got a talent and an ability. So uh, it'd be faulty for me to compare Amen Micah in uh, figuring out with somebody. Wouldn't that be faulty? Isn't that just self-evident? But Amen, even someone who is you know tone deaf. If they would just be working at it, laboring, doing their best to understand or to come with a conclusion, then that's acceptable to God. Amen? So I would say this, men who are after coming to Christ and who have had ample time to get on their feet... I came to Jesus, I was in a deep hole. I owed money for, I had to pay off fines. There were warrants out for my arrest. I mean, it took me a while to get on my feet. I had every intention. I, wa- I knew I owed, amen, money to East Paton Rouge Parish. So I wasn't going out and eating, amen, at the state dinner restaurant
1: when I owed them $1,500.
0: Because I felt convicted. I want to be a witness. I'm preaching to people. They find out I owe a warrant out for my arrest. I hadn't even taken care of that. Then That's a bad witness. Yes, sir. yes sir. So yeah, it's going to take me some time. But I'm not just squandering money. They're going to go out here and buy me this and buy me that. They're going to waste any money until I take care of that. So men who, after they've come to Christ and have had ample time to get on their feet, if they refuse to work enough to provide, or they refuse to hold a job. Amen? Furthermore, in my experience, when men have an inordinate love for sleep they're lazy
1: when they have a lot of excuses
0: while they can't work they're lazy proverbs 26:13 through 14 the slothful man saith there's a lion in the way a lion is in the streets as the door that he ain't worried about no lion worried about sleeping as the door turneth upon his hinges so doth the saw full upon his bed how much how much sleep do you need i'm not going to decide that for you really because it could be different for different people i believe that when i when i was a young believer i tried to believe god to sleep never again i found out that wasn't god But I thought I was wasting a lot of time. Really. You get older, I I think I need a little more sleep, but I'm finding out, you know, you you just have to believe. You have to do, you can't say, well, my my, my, my children are starving to death, but I can't, I got to work, I got to sleep 10 hours a day. You lazy sluggard. What's wrong with you? That's sick. your wife and children have need it'd be better for you to never sleep and that wouldn't be the case amen if you just get up and put your hand to the plow somebody say I'm preaching the truth to you when I work with brother Kim like I said my you know I didn't have any problem getting a job, keeping a job, but I really didn't have a Christian work ethic, and I worked with Brother Kim, who discipled me, and he was a heavy equipment operator. You know, when I first got saved, I threw a paper out. I threw a paper out. I made $150 a week. That's what I made. I was single. I didn't have a car. rode a bike everywhere, and my, my rent was $100 a month. I lived in an attic. And I was as happy as I'd ever been. I had about three sets of clothes, and hardly nothing. One little, little uh, was it one little hallway with two little rooms, and I had these big speakers in there. I didn't have a stereo because I got rid of it. I just but then I got I met Bridget, amen, and we prayed and it was God for us to get married. and guess what happened? I had to get another job. I couldn't survive on 150. I knew that. So I, I began to work construction. And I worked with Brother Ken. And he and I worked together, and he was a heavy equipment operator. And if you knew anything about that, you go in these plants, and they don't demand any heavy equipment. Or it sits in his crane with the air condition on. That's all he does. It makes lifts. Not, not he, he don't lift anything. The crane lifts it. That man wouldn't sit in that heavy. And I, listen, you go in these plants, they'll try to keep you from working. And probably in this day and age, they probably would keep you from working. But back then, they resisted. But he would get, he would do. say he's going to find something to do. Now, that was against the worldly mentality that I had been raised up in. But I had too much respect for him. I wasn't going to tell him, why don't you get back up in your crane? I wasn't going to do that. See, his light. He did correct me over things. But mostly, his example. It so smote me. And he was, the mo- he was the most diligent worker on that job. And he ripped people's hide off with the Bible. But when he spoke, they listened. And they couldn't reprove him. Because he was blameless. Because he was a hard worker. Thirdly, a refusal to forsake an attitude of irresponsibility. Can't be irresponsible and spiritual at the same time. Can't be. I can tell you what, ladies, you got a husband that provides for you, you ought to run around and shout, scream, you ought to be you ought to be thankful for that. Here's another verse on work. Now them that are such, we command and exhort by our Lord Jesus Christ that with quietness they work And eat their own bread. The scriptures command as men we properly respond in our call to provide for those under our oversight. Galatians 6 and 5. For every man shall bear his own burden. You see brethren understand God holds you accountable to provide for your own. Amen. It's not someone else's burden. It's not the church's burden. It's not your wife's burden. It's your burden. It's not your complete obligation, obviously. But that burden to provide is upon you alone. See, look at those children next to you. Look look at that wife, your wife. Now, it's a great privilege, a wonderful blessing to be married and to have a wife. And to bear offspring. But it comes with responsibility. You know what I find in this hour? This is going to be blood. Men, you know, a lot of men in this, they they just want to marry a mommy they can sleep with. That's what they want. They want a mommy that's going to take care of them that they can have sex with. And then they have offspring,
1: but there's no sense of embracing responsibility.
0: See, the word responsibility is a compound word that's comprised of the words response and ability. A response is something expected when challenged, charged, or commanded. And ability is the capacity to do, act, or fulfill. You see, I man, you have the ability. And God expects you to respond appropriately. Oh, but Brother Fred, this is Central Mississippi, and there's no work up here. other yeah, is brother Brian's been here since 2009 He's never been without a job he's worked all kind of jobs If there's any issue with Brother Brian I have to keep him from working. And there's another extreme, amen? You can't be spiritual and work 67, 80 hours a week. You can't do it. I'm not promoting that extreme. You know why he's always got a job? Because he wants one. That's why. That's right. Because he wants one. You want a job and God wants I can't work for nothing, then you're not going to eat for nothing. You better work for something, and God will honor it. Thomas said it's an opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Amen. Thus, in the context of our thought, being responsible simply means to properly play the man and answer our call as a provider. Yet many today are obstinately incompetent on this point. Apparently, many fail to comprehend the importance of this or underestimate this divine mandate. I've already told you, this matters to God! Their burden, they erroneously suppose, is something God will do apart from their submissive cooperation. True, ultimately, God is our provider. But he has chosen work or gainful employment as his primary means of meeting our needs. Do you understand that? God is my provider. He gave me a job. That doesn't mean that someone couldn't give to me. I'm not saying that, but the primary means and the way that I need to think about it is I have a responsibility. I have a moral obligation. It's mine and mine alone, and I need to man up and be responsible for myself. used to be a brother in this church. He'd see that I had something new, a new guitar or a new something. How'd you get that? So I worked. I wanted it. I believe God allowed me to get it. I saved, put it on lay away, whatever I had to do. Worked overtime. That's when I worked in the plan. Worked some overtime, make the money, and I bought it. You know what he told me? This is over a guitar. He said, I've been praying that God would move upon somebody's heart to give me a guitar like that. That's borderline covetousness. And what a twisted, perverted, sleazy way to think. I'm going pray. God, make Leon work. Make Leon work and sweat. Make Leon save $200 and buy me something I want. That's what that is. See, I've had people give me automobiles. I've had people give me things. You understand? I'm not, but I wasn't looking for that.
1: And humbled by it when it happened.
0: Fourthly, an unsound view of relationships in employment. Oh yeah, this hinders work. This hinders people being gainfully employed. Ephesians 6, 5 through 7. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh. With fear and trembling... In singleness of your heart as unto Christ, not without service as men pleases, but as the servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. Many, because of pride, cannot endure difficulty or testing in submissive relationships regarding work. This is another great problem that undermines consistency in work and ultimately being able to be a provider for our families. This is simple logic. If you cannot maintain a job, then you'll not be able to sustain an income. Somebody say amen. amen. There are men who may be good workers in practice, but their problem is in relationships. Relationships. They're too independent to submit to their boss unless the conditions are ideal. Or even the job atmosphere, sometimes the job atmosphere. Now, I'm not suggesting you've got to work. If you make a decision to go somewhere and you believe it isn't God, I'm not suggesting that you can't change job. You know, I'm not saying that. But it's more important. In other words, if I was in a position where, okay, this, this ain't. I might have missed it here. I think I need to go somewhere. I'm not. Go- I got to provide for my family. The higher principle. I'm going to obey the Bible until I find something else. Amen. Unless it's causing me to sin, you understand. They often easily grasp the principle of submission for their wives but fail to embrace the same teaching applied to them under employers. You teach your wife to submit, you got no excuse when you violate that in your employer. Woman, I'm going to tell you what.
1: You're going to submit to me, my performance or not, whether you think I'm a good husband or not.
0: Mm. Good preaching. Save that tape. Play it for you. Play it for yourself when you're an employee. 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20. Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. That means cruel and unjust. For this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. For what glory is it when you be buffeted for your fault? Fo- See, that's the problem you got in there. Most people don't even want to get corrected when they're wrong. They can't handle it. You, you just sit people down. Amen. I'm telling you as a pastor, sit people down when they're dead wrong. You say you're right. If you don't just tiptoe and just approach, you know, now use a lot of good qualities about it. Just people they can't they cannot endure it hardly. But that's not acceptable to God. That's not even acceptable to God. It's when you suffer when you're right and you take it patiently. See, this is something you gotta learn. Amen? This is true spirituality here.
1: This is the cross in action.
0: Ain't no shortcuts around this right here. It's real. And without divine influence and heavenly grace, no man gonna do this right here. If I had a dollar for every time I've heard somebody say, I'm a man. You expect me to just take that? I'm a man. Really? Jesus was a man too. And that same passage teaches that he left us an example to follow. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. But he submitted himself to him that judgeth righteously. See how the abundance of the heart of the mouth speaks. See, the real confession should be I'm a man under the lordship of Christ. And if indeed you are a Christian man, then this is what the Bible says to you, mister. Titus 2, 7 through 10, and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed. Having no evil thing to save you, exhort servants to be obedient unto their own masters and to please them well in all things. Not answering again. Not perlorning, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. This matters to God. First Timothy six, one through five, that as many servants as are under the yoke, count their own masters worthy of all honor. That the name of God and his doctrine, be not blasphemed. Only two places in the New Testament, amen, that phrase is mentioned, that the doctrine of God or the word of God be not blasphemed. When wives don't obey their husbands. And all the husbands said, amen. And the employees or servants don't obey their And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them. Why would you despise a believing master? Why why would that even be in there? Because the warfare, listen to me. Learn this rule and principle of submission. It's easy to be in charge. But when you're under, the devil is going to attack. And maybe you'll have mercy on your wife sometimes, then, recognizing, amen, the warfare that you have to go through. No, you can be tempted to despise because they're telling you what to do, and it's going to require humility. You get four men together and say, let's, you know, how are we going to build this, you know, shed? Oh, if somebody, I tell you, you get four carnal men together, they'll kill each other over it.
1: They'll fight. They'll bicker two by fours, two by sixes,
0: nails, and screws. You get people fighting over that guy. you look in at carnality in the extreme. Who's in charge, him? Okay, what you, screws or nails? It don't matter to me. You're the boss? How you want it done? Don't matter to me. Just don't ask me to sin. That's the principle of authority. As long as that authority in that sphere of jurisdiction is not asking me to sin, then I see Jesus behind him. What, 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 what What if I'm right and he's wrong? Submit yourself to him that judgeth righteously. Leave it to God. That's what you want your wife to do, right? Amen. See, don't be a hypocrite. See, that, that, those, are, those are things that drive me. I'm just, that's my personal. When I see things like that, look, I'm asking my wife to do something. I'm pressing her moral obligation to submit. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have that test too. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're going to have that same test, mister. You
1: just bear down as you should if need be. But you just know one thing. You're going to have to pass that same test.
0: Don't be a hypocrite. Don't change your theology when it costs you. That's how hypocrites do. They make other people submit. You do what I used to be. A little role reversal. I don't believe that no more. Hypocrite. Yeah. Hypocrite! Yeah. So I'm preaching the truth to you. This is God, what I'm telling you. May it set you free. Brian Furkett said, Work is an act of worship. When people seek to fulfill their callings by glorifying God in their work, praising Him for their gifts and abilities and seeing both their efforts and its products as an offering to Him, then work is an act of worship to God. On the other hand, when work is done to glorify oneself or merely to achieve more wealth, it becomes worship of false gods. How we work and for whom we work really matters. Indeed. You see, ultimately, you have to see you work for Jesus. Amen? You've got to see him. You've got to see him behind it all. You've got to always walk in the fear of the Lord. Finally, here this morning... God's proclamation on the refusal to conform. I'm not going to believe there's a single soul here that's not going to hear this. Amen? I'm going to believe that, that you're hearing what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because if you're not hearing it and you refuse to do what God says, he has some very stout words for you. But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. You know, there's not many pronouncements in the Bible more severe. What about them people out of the, those perverts out of the allegiance club? Worse than them because they deny the faith and they're infidel. Am I telling you the truth? Well, what about in New Orleans? They're having southern decadence and they got a lot of perverts down there. Worse than them. Worse. Worse. That's what God said. Let that sink in. See, I don't understand how someone could be guilty of this and then tell anybody anything. Are you going to tell an unbeliever and an infidel to repent of unbelieving, or, and tell him, commanding him to believe and not be an infidel? Well, you're one worse than one. Is that? Is that I, I think I'm looking at this right. Worse, denying the faith, and worse than an infidel. You don't think this? Mean, God means business about this. You're not going to, look, this this is what you see. I've seen in the church. People that think they're going to just shortcut, they don't, dare. They refuse to deal with it. Keep telling people to repent. Keep believing that I'm holy. Listen to me. If you've repented and you're in a hole and you're working your way out, amen, you you forsake this, man. Amen, I'm not talking about that. You understand what I'm saying? Amen, but you've got to forsake this mindset. Amen. It ain't gonna go on forever. You understand me? You can't provide for your family. This goes on for years. And you're lazy. Face it. You have hard to work, hard to provide. God will make a way. Yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Don't don't don't. You're not the exception. Yes, it's it, not different with you. That's a lie. Of the devil. God didn't say, yeah, but there's a few people. you No. Man up. Take that bottle out. Look in the mirror. Look in that mirror. That's me. Let it expose you. I got to rise up and play the man. I got to, I've got, this is important. This is not something, all over the church world. Go around people. You, you dig into their. You dig into their personal life. Yes, they uh, they won't pay their bills. They won't. It's it's everywhere. Yes, right. Marching down, you know, town banners screaming, ba- yes. "Repent, Worse than infidels." I'm just preaching the Bible to you. Yes. Amen. See, that's the only way you get delivered. He's just, say, okay, amen. I hear, I hear you, Holy Ghost. He's talking loud and clear. Hear what the Spirit. Let's not go that way. Amen? Let's have a sound testimony. Granted, you just got born again. It may take you years, amen, to climb out of a hole you done dug for yourself out in that world. I understand that, amen. And all is it God? All God's looking for is someone who says, "Amen." Now, I know, I, I know. I got a responsibility here. I, I can't, I can't be irresponsible. I've got to provide for my family. Amen. I only have so much, or what? But everything I, I have, I'm going to embrace this principle. I'm going to allow the Spirit of God to conform me to Christ. I'm going to make wise decisions. Led by the Holy Ghost. Not, you know, I can't survive without the internet. It's $100 a month. You got warrants out for your arrest. Go without it. Amen? Amen. And and if you want to be a witness, if you want to be a real Christian, someone who's seen Jesus knows I'm not getting away with anything. People that don't see you, they don't know that. It's all about what other people know. But a man who sees Jesus knows. I want the anointing of God's Spirit. I know that I need God's Spirit. I need God's blessing. I need the power of God in my life. How can I please God without his favor? Nobody else knows about this, but he does. And I know that if I don't conform my life to what he wants, and I'm not pleasing to him, I'm going to sacrifice and forfeit.